This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Downey. Our guest this week is Senate Agriculture Committee Chairman Pat Roberts. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, the voice of milk. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. AgriPulse continues with Kansas Senator Pat Roberts next. Edge provides dairy farmers in eight Midwestern states with a strong voice, the voice of milk, in Congress, with customers, and within their communities. Edge is an energetic, progressive organization that represents all dairy farmers equally, recognizing both their differences and similarities. Now the number four dairy cooperative in the country in terms of amount of milk produced by its members, Edge is amplifying the voice of its farmers. Now more than ever, dairy farmers need to be heard. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. A two-year effort by legislators has resulted in a new farm bill. Kansas U.S. Senator Pat Roberts guided that effort in the Senate and led the conference committee through the final months of debate to bring the final language to the White House. Senator Pat Roberts says diversity was the key to the final language and overwhelming support in both chambers. There's 12 titles. And so whatever is involved with regards to agriculture, from the farm to the fork, uh, if you will, uh, it is addressed in the bill. And that's why it's so important. Uh, All phases of agriculture are affected, and we try to be of help in that regard. As you know, uh, as every producer all around the country knows, uh, farmers, ranchers, growers up and down Main Street, uh, we're in a rough patch. And we've been that way for about four years in terms of prices going on the fifth year, farm income down 52 percent, trade retaliation, mitigation payments, uh, all the things that we don't need. Uh, So we knew from the first in Manhattan, Kansas, when we first started out at Kansas State, uh, we had to sit on the wagon tongue and, you know, listen to farmers. Senator Stabenow and I uh, get along uh, very well. Uh, She is a very effective and important partner in all of this. And so we got a bipartisan, bicameral bill by working together, and we knew that farmers needed, above everything else, certainty and predictability. There, you got the whole speech. You had a bill that could have had several angles of controversy. It looks like those controversial elements were left. Was that one of the reasons that helped you see such support? Well, I think in any legislation like this, you will have a certain title in the farm bill and a certain part of that title that a member feels very strongly about. Uh, Obviously, the nutrition title was one of those. And I understand that. I respect that. Uh, But in the end result, uh, uh, to be quite frank, you have to count votes. Uh, You can be interested in policy and uh, insist upon that and have an issue and then not have a farm bill. Uh, And then that really strikes at all the rest of the farm bill uh, that is a very good safety net uh, for everybody concerned. So compromise is not a four-letter word uh, with regards to what we do in Washington today. Uh, the vast majority of people I talk to say, why can't you get along and get something done? Well, we did that. It took us two years. It's a pretty easy task if you listen to farmers and then go ahead and uh, try to produce what, in fact, they actually need. So the key was bipartisanship, and the key was to get everybody to understand we were short on time, and we had to get this thing done. 
With regard to payment limits, Senator Grassley again wanted to see some change. The Senate plan was different than that of the House. The House a bit more liberal in who might be able to receive funds. How was it that the House bill or the House proposal uh, made it to the final language? Well, again, look at the situation we're in. Uh, in 1996, I was part of a very revolutionary farm bill called uh, Freedom to Farm, uh, somewhat controversial to say the least, but um, we changed this business of uh, farmers planting according to Washington as, a, as opposed uh, to the market. That was a key, but it, it was a tough sell. Uh, we didn't get it the first year. We got it in the next few months. This time you can't do that. Uh, we're in a very rough patch. So this is an evolutionary bill that is very predictable, and it will enable our farmers and ranchers and uh, and growers to go to their lenders and say, I'm good for the next five years. So it was a different circumstance with regard to payment limitations. There are a lot of folks in trouble, not only small farmers, not only small uh, farming operations or specialty crops or whatever, uh, but you have, especially down south and out west, where people are involved in lots of acres and a lot of uh, a lot of expense, uh, that whole operation may be very big to some people. But the other thing is that uh, the Vietnam veterans, who are farmers, uh, they're getting up in years, and they'd like to leave the farm, uh, if possible, uh, to that son or daughter. But maybe they don't want to do that. Maybe the son and daughter is gone. So uh, we were worried about that. So now we have. Uh, a cousin that maybe has been working the farm, or a niece or a nephew, I think that's perfectly understandable in the dramatic situation that we find ourselves in with you got to have access to technology and everything else. That's very costly. So a, a big operation can fail just as well as the uh, small ones. So the payment limit reform that we did put in tried to address that issue. You had several funding challenges even before you started. 39 unfunded programs plus new and existing calls for additional spending. How were you able to accomplish that, especially with that cushion of credit through the rural electric co-ops? Well, we had a situation uh, with a cushion of credit uh, where we tried to inform and uh, signal to those folks that uh, the very, uh, we were we were, we were talking about 5% on um, a rainy day fund, and, uh, and when, you know, interest rates are far below that, uh, just the public outcry alone would have been, uh, we, we, we don't need to do anything to uh, uh, hinder uh, these folks who provide such a valuable service. So uh, we work with them. Uh, I'm sure that they would prefer it the other way, but I, I think what uh, happened over a period of years is very understandable, and they can, uh, they can work with that. Uh, as to the other programs, we tried to consolidate them, uh, we, I think, reformed that whole situation by combining programs. You do that, you get savings. Uh, and by the way, uh, I want to thank the CBO uh, folks back here. Sometimes I'm very critical of those folks, but they were very good to work with, given the fact we we're under a deadline. I also want to give a shout-out to the USDA folks that when we got to a real question on what a change would actually mean out in the countryside, uh, we we tried to work with uh, our land grant schools and obviously our state departments of agriculture, but the USDA came in and gave us the best information, and I thank Sonny Perdue for 
enabling us to have that partnership. Is this an adequate bill for the day or, again, the best you could do? It's both. It's the best we could do, and I think it's adequate. I think it's a good bill. The president has offered the market facilitation program to help soybean farmers and others who have been affected by trade, but has said there won't be any additional funds for 2019. If this trade conflict continues and this market stays uh, in a rough situation for producers, do you see a need for Congress to step in? Well, that would be what I call a mitigation payment. Uh, I guess you can call it anything you want to. Uh, Farmer said at the beginning, uh, and we also chimed in, the farmers don't want aid, they want trade. So progress in China, which I think is occurring, and China buying, not to the extent that they used to, but they need to uh, step up. That helps our relationship with China. They become more dependent on us. It's a national security issue as well. That's all across the board. So if the administration focuses on restoring our trade relationships and recapturing our markets, there won't be any need for that. I mean, uh, farmers are used to working with the market and the cycles that we experience. Uh, What they are not used to is the government intervening with a tariff and then having a tariff retaliation. Uh, We'll we'll be holding hearings on that uh, in the coming year. There were plenty of uh, suggestions with regard to the conservation provisions and especially CRP. I think Mr. Peterson wanted to expand the acres, and Senator Thune also wanted to look at uh, a way that producers didn't have to go the full term with a contract. You did a little of both. Yes, we tried to address that uh, as best we could. Uh, We're very aware of Senator Thune's effort, and, of course, uh, Colin Peterson is a great friend. Uh, It's uh, 27 million acres. So there was an increase, and then we tried to work out some of the compliance situations to uh, make it less burdensome. Uh, So I think we did a pretty good job, given the circumstances we were in and the budget that we were in. Thinking about the regional differences, I think uh, it was Chairman Conaway who wanted to look at some of those base acres that had been unplanted for a number of years and shift those dollars around. Some would have said that would have caused some controversy and regional differences in the bill. How did you see your way through that, and, and did that help you accomplish some other areas? Yes, it did. I credit Chairman Conway for his effort, but I was concerned that there is a tangible benefit with regards to acres that have not been tilled uh, over a period of years, and that the lender, uh, if, if all of a sudden the farmer awakened to the fact after the farm bills passed and the FSA folks said, oh, by the way, uh, those you know, 10% of your ground is no longer in your acreage base. Uh, the person that would uh, take real note of that uh, would be the lender. And uh, I don't know when the farmer goes in and talks to somebody and you've seen a 10% loss in your acreage base, what would happen? We tried to work with the USDA to predict exactly what would happen, who would be hurt, where, where that w- would happen. Most of it's in Texas and a lot of it in Oklahoma and uh a great day you love it in Kansas. So you had to figure out how many people would be harmed by this as well as the trade-off of getting uh, at least a CBO estimate on cost savings. I think we worked it out. I think we worked it out uh, uh, well to the best uh, final product that we could. You were able to preserve Title I with both ARC and PLC. 
You answered some questions about what was the correct data to use for yield, and you're also providing some flexibility for farmers to choose. Why, why don't you read that again and just say I said it? <laughs> but, but with with Title One, I mean, there was a lot of ask coming here uh, about flexibility. There was an ask here about coming up with with better yield data, and and you and uh, the other three of the the rest of the committee, the conference committee, you were able to get this done. That that was there was no controversy there, and uh, I think it I, I think it's good for everybody. I think it's good for those who implement the program within the USDA. Certainly good for the producer. I mean, the more flexibility you can give the producer today during the tough times we're in, well, the better off we are. So I think all four of us were very uh, proud of that accomplishment. Can you give us some background on the escalator provision and why that was important to have in the bill? I think that's a step where, from a policy standpoint, it may not uh, go into effect for the next three or four years, but down the road, I think it could be very helpful given whatever we face. Uh, the 214 bill, uh, a different situation with high prices. Basically, it was a house provision. Uh, we thought from a policy standpoint down the road that that would be another, uh, as you call, uh, a portion of uh, flexibility. And I think it would, I mean, that really goes into the safety net, uh, should the situation change dramatically. I will predict, I think, more farmers will go into the PLC program because of the price situation as opposed to farmers going into the ARC program back in 2014 where uh, prices were higher. Mr. Chairman, I've had the opportunity to speak with Farm Bureau President Zippy Duvall and Farmers Union President Roger Johnson recently, and they're thankful that the crop insurance provisions are protected, that Title I is in place, but their conversation also lends to catastrophe that has become more the norm as late. And President Duvall wondered aloud if it wasn't prudent for the country to have a, a an acceptable or at least a standard reaction to such catastrophe, whether wildfires or, or hurricanes or floods. I think Zippy hit a, uh, the nail on the head. I want to thank the Farm Bureau and, for that matter, every other commodity organization and uh, and farm organization. Uh, we have over a thousand. Uh, different organizations that have come in in support of this bill. Uh, that's never happened before. Of course, we never got 87 votes either uh, before, so that set a record. But uh, given that, and given everybody's worry about uh, climate change, uh, which could be a factor, uh, probably is, uh, with regards to hurricanes, and if you look at the uh, at the Great Plains, uh, you know, look down the road for 10 years, uh we had a prairie fire here two years ago, over 800,000 acres, didn't get much press in southwest Kansas, but it was devastating. If we didn't have the EQIP program, I don't know what we would have done. Uh, but in, to get that kind of disaster assistance, and that's what you're talking about, I'm not sure the farm program can do that. The farm program can give a safety net for producers, uh, but with regards to a national disaster, uh, which is what we're facing usually with uh, a hurricane or, for that matter, a bad season of uh, tornadoes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that also goes to other committees and jurisdiction, but I think Zippy hit the nail on the head, and that is if we've experienced this for the last four or five years, I hasten to add that we had the dirty 30s and then we were dry in the 50s and then we were dry again in the 60s, so these things happen. But these, uh, these seem to happen uh, 
more often today, and they're very uh, uh, damaging uh, without question. Uh, but other we will work with other committees to try to come up with an answer to that. Uh, it's going to be costly, uh, and that's going to have to be shared uh, with states and with individuals uh, uh, concerned. This is a philosophical question, Senator, but one that perhaps should be asked. I know that we have permanent law on the books. Some would have said this is the last farm bill to be approved by Congress. Would you agree? No, I don't. Uh, I've heard that song. Uh, it gets to be number one or two or three on the country uh, uh, hit list. <laughs> uh, this is the last farm bill. I'm not going to sing it. It's always difficult. It took us two years to go to almost every state in the Union, every region, and we did that. Uh, Senator Stabenow and I have a relationship where I certainly respect her. I trust her. She's a friend. And just as important, uh, the same thing goes for our staffs. Isn't, now, we don't agree on a lot of things, but we agree to get things done. And uh, I trust her. Uh, in this atmosphere we have in Washington, that's unique. Uh, we're getting a lot of questions as how's come, <laughs> you know, how do you get along with Deborah Stabenow? Well, just fine. Uh, we did this before in 212, approaching the 214 bill, but unfortunately that hit a brick wall over there in the House. I think if you have a relationship with your minority uh, partner and you work hard to get a bipartisan bill and you count the votes and you have enough to get 60 in the Senate and then you work with the House just as best as you can and know that they're a partnership as well, I think you can get a farm bill. And we did. A lot of people said that this would be the last, or the previous farm bill would be the last farm bill. Uh, it's too important to the country. I mean, this is a, this is a national bill, uh, over $800 billion and then some, and uh, 12 titles that affects everybody in this country. So uh, I, I don't buy that, that this is the last farm bill. And certainly a credit to you and other leaders to be able to take policy, bipartisan, bicameral, and see it approved with such a majority. Now, I note that Congressman Peterson will assume the chairmanship of the House Agriculture Committee in 2019, and he said one of his priorities is to oversee the regulatory process of USDA implementing the bill. Do you see a need to watch over the USDA closely? I don't know about watching over, but working with the USDA, certainly. That will be a primary objective. I know uh, Colin feels very strongly about that. I've known Colin for years, uh, saying that he's banned. His band is called the First Amendment. And uh, why I got up there and why he invited me to sing uh, is beyond comprehension. Uh, I think everybody, after about 30 seconds, knew that that was a bad deal. Uh, but I did. I know Colin. Uh, he, he's easy to work with. He's very plain-spoken. He'll let you know exactly where he stands. Uh, all of us know, Mike, Colin, and Endeavor, myself, we do have an obligation to work with the Department of Agriculture, more especially the FSA, in the implementation of this bill. Did we get it right? Is there something that we could fix? Uh, there's always a good hard look at a new farm bill. Uh, you may have a technical correction or two, uh, but that will be our obligation uh, and responsibility. I noted that uh, inside the policy, a couple of areas, I won't say a bureaucracy, but that fall under a hood of now an individual that would oversee and look into food waste. And also, this bill tells the Secretary of Agriculture to come up with an undersecretary for rural development. Yes, we do have an undersecretary for rural development. I would quickly add, I'm not 
pointing any fingers at the uh, rural development programs. They're, they're valuable, and uh, that's why we plus that up in terms of who's in charge. But the best uh, program really is farm income. Uh, if farm income is where it should be uh, with regards to our trade and everything else that we uh, put up with, that's the best rural development program I know. Senator, let's set our thoughts for 2019. Obviously, there will be a change in the Congress with Democratic lead in the House and remaining Republican lead in the Senate. What do you expect you could find in common ground for the new Congress? Well, I think the common ground hopefully will find us uh, issue by issue, uh, and the issues become a national imperative. Health care is a classic example, uh, the Finance Committee is going to have to take another look at that and uh, and quickly. Uh, then, of course, we have border security and we have the long-lasting immigration challenge, which we really need to fix. It's not that hard, uh, but it is hard to get past the politics of it. Uh, that's where we really get to, if we can get to an understanding and quit pulling at the threads of comedy in each house, uh, in the Senate and the House, and work together. Maybe the farm bill is a great example for others to uh, at least, uh, you know, take a look at it and say, uh, uh, can we work together on this and uh, put the politics aside? Uh, 19 is not an election year. That's usually the odd year where you get things done. Uh, but it is apparent that the 2020 elections have already come around and people are talking about them. I would think they'd be a little sick of it, uh, you know, quite frankly. And, uh, Enjoy Christmas, and then we can start out in 219 and see what we can get done. Senator, this uh, interview falling now between Christmas and New Year's. We're wrapping up one year, moving to the next, and we thank you for the opportunity to have this conversation now. It is open mic, and you have the last word, sir. Well, the last word is thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, you do a great job of uh, following what we do on the Agriculture Committee and, you know, all things agriculture. Uh I would just say keep the faith. Um, we're going to get through this. Uh, we're in a rough patch, but um, with this farm bill, uh, you can go to your lender and say, I'm good for five years, and uh, we'll keep working on it. These next two years uh, will go quickly, but uh, the Senate Ag Committee stands ready to be the champion of uh, production agriculture and all things agriculture. Thank you for the opportunity. Our thanks to Senate Agriculture Committee Chairman Pat Roberts, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, the voice of milk. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. For all the staff of AgriPulse, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.